Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden, the Well Endowed podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can check it out right now and subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. So our son is playing a lot of video games. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a lot of video games. I would call it a lot of a video game. Yeah, we um, because he's been into Mario for a while. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an IP that he actually is interested in. And uh, Mario Odyssey has an assist mode, which means it's a game he can actually play. Yeah, he's still fairly young. He's five years old, so complicated video games are still a little beyond him. But He'll get there. Yeah, and I mean, he likes running around and jumping and exploring. And so because he enjoys Mario, and because Anita was also interested in it, we bought Luigi's Mansion 3 after Christmas. Yes. That has become an obsession for him. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be an obsession. No, uh, but he's been, like, obviously, he explores the haunted hotel, and then when he encounters ghosts, Mummy has to fight the ghosts. Yes, Mummy does the fighting of the ghosts. But he's been just obsessing over it. More so even than Mario Kart, which he got for Christmas, and was playing quite a bit of. Yeah, he he was actually getting quite good at Mario Kart. Um, now that's old news. <laughs> it's just fighting ghosts. Yeah, it's all about Luigi's Mansion now. Yeah. So it's it, practically all he's been talking about, and it's kind of adorable. Yeah. But I, I don't mind. I get to play video games with my kid. It's, it's true. It's nice. It's something that you have been looking forward to. Yeah. Actually, we're big game people. We have lots and lots and lots of board games. We have, I would say, a above average library of video games. So, yeah, it makes sense that I would enjoy doing it with my son, right? I like playing games with him. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Little, well, fun little fun little anecdote about what's going on in yeah, our life. Nice right little now. window into our lives. But uh, we also spend some time reading in addition to playing video games. Yes, indeed. And that includes reading our latest novel for uh, sharing with you. And I think we should get into the latest chapter. But first, a brief recap of our previous chapter in which Jebby receives the good news that Vey has been accepted into the rebellion and the bad news that they have not been and <laughs> yeah. get assigned to desk duty, uh, which is more or less where we find them as we move into chapter 19 of Phoenix Extravagant by Yoon Ha Lee. This is another Time Passes chapter. Yeah, it I said to Scott the other day, this really does feel kind of like a filler chapter where we do um, a little bit of character work and the plot doesn't go particularly far. No, th this chapter kind of sets up the next big event, I think. Yeah. Which is kind of what happens towards the end of the chapter, but yeah, for the most part it's a time passes chapter. Yeah, I wonder if it's not the calm before the storm 
kind of situation? Well, we're definitely reaching some kind of climax soon because we're running out of book. It's true. We are approaching the end yeah. very soon. And I mean, I have a pretty good idea what that climax is going to look like at the moment, but I could be mistaken. Oh. So. Yeah. Not, I'm not entirely sure how this is going to end. We will have to see. Well, I, I explained in the last episode how I think this is shaping up. Yeah, I know. And there's further evidence in this episode to suggest that that might be the way it's shaping up. So. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Sometimes you know the ending, right? Like, you know the good guys are going to save the world. It's just how they get there is the interesting yeah, part. Yeah, there's there's no question James Bond is going to beat the villain. Yeah. The tension is in, he's put in an impossible situation and you want to know how he's going to get out of yeah. it. Yeah. How is he going to beat the villain? Yeah, not yeah. if he's going to beat the villain. Exactly. Um, with this book, I'm not entirely sure how it's going to end. Like, it's very probable that you're right. That Jebby and Arazi are simply going to run away and be free and peaceful somewhere. They're going to peace out, yeah. But I don't know that for sure, right? It's not super obvious to me that that's how it's going to end. I don't know. Well, we'll find out. Anyway, so Jebby is still under tent arrest. Yes. <laughs> Stuck with a, a, an art collection that they need to catalog. And re-catalog. And re-catalog. And, like, clean and look after, I kind of yep. think. It's... Not Jebby's idea of great. No. And Jebby is definitely feeling the uh, the yoke, I guess would be the best way to put it, of uh, being stuck, basically imprisoned by the other side now, also being forced to do work. Yeah. And it's made them a little resentful of the whole situation. Like, they were already feeling it, but they're really feeling it in this chapter. Yeah, this is sort of a frying pan to fire situation. It's, it's definitely not better. No. When they were working for armor, yes, they were doing work that they did not want to do that went against their morals and their values, but they were at least being fed and kept warm and paid and had not a lot of freedom, but some freedom. And now uh, they're stuck in a cold tent <laughs> with terrible food, not being paid, injured and sick. They are on the quote unquote right side now. But it's certainly not a better situation. No, you're you're kind of right there. It is uh, it is a marginally worse situation. Yeah. The only thing that Jebby has going for them right now is that no one knows about their mental link with Arazi. So at least Jebby has someone to talk to. Most of the time. Something that comes up in this chapter is that Arazi is not always available because Arazi is busy doing rebellion stuff. Being Being a dragon. So there are times when Jebby goes to be like, hey, I could use a friend right now, and Arazi is nowhere to be found. Yeah. And that also kind of translates into a little bit of resentment in this chapter. Yeah. Because Jebby's feeling a little jealous about their friend. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And this a little is weird. Yeah, and a little jealous, I think, of the fact that both Vey and Arazi seem to have clicked with Bong Sunga to a certain extent. Like, Bong Sunga keeps discussing strategy with Vey, keeps working with Arazi to figure out, uh, like, troop deployments and stuff, and seems to be working well with both of them, and yet continues to give Jebby a cold shoulder and treat them poorly. That is, I think, making Jebby a little resentful of the situation. Yeah. And I don't really blame them, right? They didn't ask to be part of this. Nope. It just sort of happened. Yep. Debbie didn't get a lot of say. And the one, like, genuine, constant, reliable friend they've had has been Arazi. And 
it disappears for lengthy periods of time. And the other person that they can confide in is Vey, but they haven't even really been able to have any alone time with Vey. No, because A, Vey is kind of incapacitated, right? Still recovering from injury. Yep. And if Vey has been accepted into the rebellion and, and trusted, well, Jebby hasn't really, not to the same level. Nope. So, yeah, I imagine Jebby is lonely and upset. It, yeah, and that, it makes that comes sense. through in this chapter. Oh, it, it really does. Yeah. And it, it also feeds into more of Jebby's desire to get out because Jebby straight up asks Arazi in this chapter, like, I would like to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of escape. I would like you to help me, if, if you would. Jebby at least asks nicely. Yeah, Jebby makes it very clear, like, you have say in this, but yeah. if, if the offer is still good, I would like to escape at some point. Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be here. I'm under the impression that Arazi doesn't really want to be there anyway, but sees the benefit of helping, at the very least, this section of the rebellion. Like yeah. Bong Sunga's, I don't know what to call them, troops? Yeah, but I, I think there's also a pragmatism there, because Arazi's not dumb, and it recognizes that Hafandin in particular will be a danger to it moving forward. Oh, yeah. And that while it personally finds the idea of inflicting violence abhorrent, it recognizes that there may be a need for it to protect itself. So it's willing to bend a little bit on its principles out of sheer pragmatism and aid people who are going to do violence without directly doing violence itself. Right. And so, yeah, I I, I do believe that it's helping the rebellion out of not selfish ends, but out of self-interest. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, not because it necessarily believes fully in the cause, but because it recognizes that the cause ultimately benefits it. Yeah, I think Arazi is smart enough to recognize the lesser of two evils. Yeah. Right? And I think that's where it's landed here. Yeah, if I need to pick a side, I'm going to pick this side. Yeah, but Arazi does something really interesting here that I noticed. When Jebby asks it for help to escape, mm -hmm. Arazi steers the conversation away from that and towards talking about Bongsunga. It dives into the reason that Jebby wants to escape and less on, okay, well, yes or no, right? That, that question isn't actually answered. Well, the benefit of living inside of Jebby's head is that Arazi has insight into Jebby that Jebby might be lacking the perspective to really recognize because Jebby's inside their own head, whereas Arazi is an outsider looking in. Well, My, and Arazi's had its own interactions with Bong Sunga separately, yeah. outside of Jebby's descriptions. Right? And so I think at the moment, you're right. I think Arazi's looking at this as an opportunity to play peacemaker between the two, perhaps, and be like, maybe you should actually just sit down and talk with your sister. Yeah. And you might find out that things aren't so bad, or you might be able to heal the rift. Right? So Before you just run away, maybe actually talk to Bong Sunga face to face. Which may or may not work. I'm not sure. Well, again, know. the problem that we noted several chapters ago, and I, I think we actually stated outright, is that so far in this book, Bong Sunga and Jebby have been talking at each other. They haven't been talking to each other. No, not really. Arazi is here going, maybe it's time you actually do that. Right? Maybe talk to each other? And they might be running out of time to do it. I know. Because the next event in the chapter is 
Jebby overhears kind of a commotion in the camp and for a moment is like, oh, are we under attack? What's going on? Um, it turns out they're not. But Bongsunga comes and fetches them because she's like, uh, three strangers have shown up and they say they know you and Vey. And Vey is still in the sick tent. Yeah, Vey's so kind of an invalid right now. So uh, you're the person I have to rely on to vouch for them. So come with me. And unsurprisingly, the three strangers who have shown up are Vey's three parents. Yes. Who are ultimately like the only other three people who could have known Jebby and shown up at this time. Yeah. Well, also they've been doing dragon drills so really all you have to do is watch the sky for the dragon and they knew where they were. Yeah. Uh, apparently they've they've ridden horses to death. Which is terrifying. Yeah, but that's because they need to get there urgently and ahead of the army. Yeah. The idea of riding a horse to death or to exhaustion is horrifying to me. A, because that's a really cruel thing to do to an animal. Yeah. And B, the necessity of that to get ahead of an army coming at you terrifies me. Like, yeah. it's just bad all the way around. So, Vey's dad basically kind of lays out the situation. It's like, armor and ornithology want back the dragon, and they want to wipe you out. And they know where you are. They're on their way here. You've got, at best, days. So you need to get out of here, basically, yeah. is what he's saying. Like, this location will Com not make a stand. Compromised. They are coming for yeah, you. Yeah, and, and this is not a defensible location. Like, you need to get your people and get out. Yeah. And that's sort of where we stop. Yeah. Bongsunga does kind of ask him why he's come there as a deserter, basically, at this juncture. We, yeah. It's to, not inaccurate to say that. To which he suggests, number one, a little... He has loyalty to his daughter, Faye. Yes. And number two, I mean, the Rosani did just burn down his house. Yeah for aiding the dragon and Jebby and Vey escaping. And so he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm basically turning my coat here. And I also want you to protect the rest of my family, like my wife and my partner. Can you keep them safe? And Bongsunga's final note is basically like, well, if you wanted them to be safe, you shouldn't have brought them here. <laughs> Bongsunga's not wrong. Not entirely wrong, no. Right? Like, he's brought them to a dangerous location. Yeah. It's not particularly safe. Eh. The whole thing is turning very bad. And I wonder if Vey's father isn't taking a similar stance to Arazi, which is that he does not want war. And clearly the Razani do. And the rebellion, yes, the rebellion is willing to partake in war to stop this other war. Again, I think he's chosen the lesser of two evils. Well, yeah, but we, we also don't know much about the rebellion and its goals other than kick out the Razani. That's true. What's what's their plan for the new government well, when the Rosani are out? Even if you back it up a chapter or two, the rebellion isn't even sure what it is. Yeah, Bongsuka makes it pretty clear that there are different like factions within the rebellion. Yeah, there there are some who just want to wipe the Rosani out entirely. There are some who just want to make it stop. Right? There's. It's very disorganized. Yeah, there's a difference. If I remember the line correctly, it's. She says something along the lines of, the Rosani didn't do that to us. That is our own doing. Yeah, they that inflicted we can't, that on themselves. Yeah, that we can't seem to decide on exactly what it is we want our endgame to be. At the moment, they're all operating on the just stop the Rosani. That's not... I don't think they know how to define stop. And unfortunately, that's not a great situation to be in. No, not really. No. As you say, that kind of is where the chapter ends, and... I just want to say that that gave me some clarity on where the climax is going. The climax is going to be the the battle between the Huagugan rebels and 
the forces of the Rosani Empire. It seems incredibly likely, yes. Yeah, we have few chapters left. So assuming one of those chapters is going to be Bongsunga and Jebby having that heart-to-heart finally, the emotional climax of the book, if I you hope will. So. Then the physical climax being the confrontation between the rebels and the Rosani. And then the conclusion being Jebby piecing out with Arazi <laughs> is kind of where I'm expecting that to go. Uh, it'd be nice. Yeah. A nice peaceful ending would be good. Oh, I didn't say <laughs> that the ending would be peaceful. I said Jebby and Arazi would peace out. Yeah. No, but I imagine they go somewhere like calm and peaceful and where Jebby can paint and Arazi can experience the world. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. That's what I That's what I want. Everyone might be dead by the end of the book. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe we have a Shakespearean tragedy-esque ending. Yeah. Maybe. I want to back up a little bit. We touched on something, and I want to dive into it a little bit more. Sure. Earlier, before Vey's parents all show up, uh, when Jebby's sort of thinking things through on their own, Jebby asks themselves why they're so upset by the relationship between Arazi and Bongsunga. And I purposely haven't put a lot of thought into it yet because I want to talk it out with you. I want another mind on it to help me process this. You're right. We did touch on it earlier. And I think I said that I believe that Jebby's feeling a little jealous. And I think it's jealousy both of their friend Arazi and their lover Vey seeming to be thick as thieves all of a sudden with Bongsunga, a person who continues to give them the cold shoulder and treat them poorly. And I think it's also a little bit them being jealous of Bongsunga. Because Bongsunga is their sister and partly raised them. And now all of a sudden, like, the two people that they thought they could trust are good with them again and they're not. And they feel jealous about that too. They've lost that relationship, which the two other people they're closest to in this camp seem to have just gotten for free. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I should have gone into psychology because I find... You've said that like six times. I know. Time. And I... Life regrets. I should have gone into psychology. It's fascinating to me. So even though Jebby is a fictional character, I still care about, like, the natural human reactions that they would have. Like, Jebby's a really well-written character and very well-realized, I think. Even if I'm a little disappointed in the character arc, I'm not the author. Jebby is not my character. I'm just going to accept what is written, right? And Jebby is frustrating at times, but a, a good character can be a frustrating character. Yes. But I find it fascinating that all of these relationships that Jebby thought they had aren't what they thought they were and how that affects them and their emotions and those relationships themselves. Like, is Jebby going to feel the same way about Vey when all of this is over? Probably not. Jebby, I don't think, wants to acknowledge that how they feel about Arazi has changed. And the whole situation with Bongsunga is just a big mess right now. Yeah. Um, here's another big question about the Vey thing. If Jebby decides that they want to peace out, would Vey go with them? Or would Vey stay and see the rebellion through at this juncture? I don't know. Jebby has a line in this chapter when they're talking to Arazi about, well, maybe Bongsunga's right. And maybe the right thing to do is to stay and fight, even though I don't want to. Jebby does not want to do battle art again. No. They're, they they're don't want to hurt tra- they're anybody. They're still traumatized from what they did before. Exactly. They don't want to hurt anybody. They don't want to damage anything. I wonder if one of the reasons that Jebby is even still there, besides being somewhat useful to catalog the art. And being a prisoner. Is because they invented battle art and the rebellion wants to use that. I have trouble believing that Bongsunga is so cold that that's the only reason that she would keep Jebby around. But... Bongsunga also hasn't been very warm to Jebby at all. 
Since Jebby showed up with a Razi, Bongsunga has shown no warmth or affection uh, towards their sibling. One or two little glimmers here and there, but glimmers very maybe. Bongsunga wasn't exactly happy to see Jebby. Jebby was not welcomed with open arms. Oh, my sibling is back. I'm glad you're okay. There was none of that. Ouch. Well, That's even after hurt. even after Bongsunga charged Jebby with, can you smuggle Arazi and some of the pigments out of? armor and get it to us and then jebby did that and they were thanked by being thrown in jail right yeah i think maybe there's another element to this as well that we haven't considered which is that jebby's feeling a little hurt that neither arazi nor vey have apparently spoken up for them like arazi and vey have a certain amount of freedom within the camp right now arazi certainly does but who's going to stop arazi from moving around vey is admittedly holed up in the medical tent at the moment yeah but has been dealing with the leadership of this camp on a daily basis from the sounds of it. Yep. Whereas Jebby is in prison. Yeah. And neither of... Under guard, at least. Yeah, and neither of their friends appear to have done anything to alleviate that or vouch for them or, to any success. Well, that we know about. But that would that is Jebby's perception of it. Yeah. No one has said, hey, I've been trying to... C- clear things yeah, up. I've yeah, I've been trying to speak for you. Bongsunga won't hear it. Yeah. No one has said that. And and so the perception from Jebby might very well be, well, I've been kind of betrayed a little. Yeah, because, that makes sense. Because my lover and my friend are both thick as thieves with the rebels and I'm in jail and nobody seems to care or be doing anything about it. Yeah, that's legit. I and would I, be upset too. And I think that that might have colored the their opinion of what's going on as well. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if this isn't like Jebby's lowest point. I mean, Jebby's been at a pretty low point most of the novel, so. Well, for the last half dozen chapters, probably. Yeah. Ever since Jebby realized that they were actually a prisoner of armor being kept to keep Bongsunga in line, that's where they hit rock bottom, basically, and they have not really climbed out since. No, not really. It's all just different versions of rock bottom. Every time they, they get ahead, it seems like they get knocked right back. Oh, I made myself sad. Yeah. It's a sad novel so far. <laughs> But who knows? Maybe next chapter things will take a turn. Because, again, maybe Jebby and Bongsungo will finally have that heart-to-heart. Oh, maybe they'll actually talk to each other. That would be nice. Like, you know, adults. Hooray. Human beings. Well, I have to wait and see as we move into chapter 20 of our novel. Yes. Um, You'll want to read up on that in time for next week. In the meantime, uh, school is a thing people have to do. Uh, If you've got kids in the Edmonton area, uh, you might be looking at schools. If you are a a teenager in the Edmonton area, you're looking at your options for high school, perhaps. Uh, You might also be interested in looking into schools. And currently, the Edmonton Public School Board is hosting virtual open houses. Here's a little bit more on that. Get ready to take the guesswork out of choosing a school. Go to an Edmonton Public Schools virtual open house. Ask your questions to learn about their schools and programs, and find the one that feels right. All from the comfort of home. Find virtual event dates and learn how to make the most out of your online visit at openhouse.epsb.ca. Know before you go and feel confident and excited when you get there. Uh, Obviously, that's a very Edmonton-centric ad. I know we have many listeners abroad and uh, further afield in Canada. If uh, you look online, chances are schools in your area are also doing similar virtual open houses. Yeah, it's a really common thing nowadays. Yeah, so uh, definitely check that out as well. Uh, You can learn more about other sponsors of the network and the network itself and its member podcasts right now by checking out the website albertapodcastnetwork.com. Yes. 
Uh, if you do find another podcast that tickles your fancy, and probably you will, because there's a lot of them, mm-hmm. uh, you can download it most likely on the podcatcher of your choice. It's probably where you're catching our pod. Well, that just makes sense. So you might consider giving us a little rating and a review. We'd appreciate it. Very much so. Yes. You can reach out to us as well on social media. Absolutely. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the read along on most of those. We're pretty easy to find. Yeah. Uh, you can also get a hold of us via email. Yes. We are the read along at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Yes. Or bad. Art good. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All read along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>